probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is Spencer Perry, associate editor at ComingSoon.net. Right on. So we're back again today to look at some uh, some crazy shit going down in The Thing. <laughs> um, so we're looking at uh, minute 32, which begins with the uh, with the dog thing finishing its roar from the last minute and then uh it finishes a minute later with the uh the dog thing reaching its creepy looking legs or arms up to the ceiling and starting to pull itself up out of the dog kennel so this scene's insane (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is where the movie for for just a minute becomes like maybe not an action movie but like kind of close to like a rail shooter video game (laughs) yeah because we just get everybody kind of just you know, firing indiscriminately into this dog kennel. Like I've talked about it a little bit before in that, um, you know, in the, in the original movie thing from another world, there's a lot of, a lot of the plot is dedicated to like the scientists being like, uh, no, this is like a new life form. We need to protect it. Like there's, there's no reason to destroy it. Uh, this movie, there's like none of that. <laughs> like as soon as they see, they see this just like monstrous thing. They're like, all right, fucking take this thing out. <laughs> That's why we got the flamethrower out. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we opens with that awesome scream, which is, you know, one of the first really kind of, uh, awesome, just the sound effects, uh, specifically of the thing itself in this movie. That's, you know, one of those awesome growls that David Udall and his crew came up with. Uh, it's kind of an iconic one for sure. Yeah. And then the next shot, we get the, the, one of the many reverse tentacle shots of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to note that, uh, you know, that that's the kind of effect that when you're just watching the movie, uh, you just see the tentacles coming out. But when you're when you're dissecting it like this, you're like, oh, this is actually really simple to do. You know, you, you have all these tentacles already out of the thing and then you pull them back into it. But then when you, you know, when you uh, cut the film, you just show it in reverse. So it looks like that they're squirting out of the out of the alien. Yeah, I mean that's it's that's one of the oldest like, you know, film tricks in the book, but it works super well. And especially for something like this, it works because you know, because it's shot in reverse, there's kind of a otherworldly like movement to it, I guess. Like it right. doesn't look completely natural, but it but it looks real. <laughs> so the, those tentacles kind of like squirming out on the floor, it just looked like <laughs> really gross and really like, I don't know, it's it's such a great effect. It works perfectly here. And then, yeah, the way that it wraps around the, the the living dog, too, is even worse. It's like, especially for, you know, somebody watching this is a, like a dog lover. It's like, this is, oh, just, yeah. this is so awful. <laughs> I was thinking about that earlier, how, you know, nowadays it seems like some filmmakers are pretty cognizant of the fact that people really love animals. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the kind of scene that, like, you if, if you put it in a movie today, people would be very upset. Like, even if they liked the movie, they would be very upset that, that a, such a torturous dog scene occurred. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of a horror trope that if there's like, 
you know, if you're in like a serial killer movie or some kind of like, you know, creature movie, if there's like a dog or cat that's around, like at some point that dog or cat is going to be discovered dead on the front porch or <laughs> like, you know, some the, the, things rarely end well for, for, you know, domesticated animals in horror movies. Um, and this one is definitely one of the more like awful things that happen <laughs> to these dogs. Yeah, especially John Carpenter movies because it happens in Halloween as well. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and then the the effect of the the living dog that's like, I guess this is supposed to be the one that got like squirt with the kind of ridiculous looking like little hose that the the dog thing was squirting at it a few minutes <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah. So and which is kind of odd. This, that's something that does not happen in the rest of the movie. Like this is the only time where we see the thing do that. Like I guess it's like squirting some kind of like digestive fluid onto it or something. So it's kind of like because it looks you know when they cut back to it here it looks kind of like like it's breaking down into into liquid right, or something. Yeah. Maybe that was because it's full the the dog uh is covered in hair and when you see this shot of it when it's wrapping all the tentacles around it I guess to pull it back into it the hair is mostly gone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't have to do that with people necessarily. But yeah, maybe it does have something to do with like animal fur or something like it has to yeah. break that layer down first or something. But yeah, that that effect of the other dog is pretty nasty looking um it's just kind of like covered like, and it looks super real too, which is really kind of disturbing. Like this, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it's just the perfect shape of a real dog, except that it's covered in this like whitish green goop. And, you know, it's real. it's like writhing, trying to, you know, get away or whatever. And it's, yeah, it's pretty awful. Yeah. And, and I guess it's, it's, yeah, I think like you said, it's just, it's throwing those tentacles at it so it can pull it into itself and assimilate it. It's like, yeah. At this point, the thing does not even care that everybody's seeing it. Like, there's no, you know, it's not hiding at all anymore. And I guess that brings to an, an, an interesting point that it seems like the thing does not like to do this in front of anybody. Like, the kind of the point is that it does this, like, in secret or when it can get somebody alone so that it can, you know. Right, yeah. Because, you know, the whole idea is that they, it, it doesn't want anybody to know that it's imitated something else it wants to imitate it and then be around without them knowing it so this is like almost like a defense i always thought about it as like kind of a defensive move that it that it made because or, or maybe at this point it doesn't even know that the humans are are gonna attack it you know because it doesn't really stop what it's doing until they start to shoot at it well at this point it's already run away from the norwegians so i think it's probably a little suspicious but also like you said it it, it it's in a pen with probably what three or four other dogs at this yeah. point so it it's thinking okay they know i'm here whatever but i've got like f- four other things that i can go ahead and make right now and then i can spread even even more quickly if i have all of these it doesn't matter that they can see me yeah i mean maybe it's just trying to put together like an entire dog team so it can uh... yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we also get here um just another character moment for clark where Clark doesn't uh Clark doesn't want him to shoot the dog because Max sees the dog that's getting like wrapped in the tentacles and he's like immediately ready to like just take it out. <laughs> and uh, that and that shot's probably worse than the dog that's already half digested because that's like a you know, that looks like a regular dog and then like its chest blows open because yeah, that's awful. shoots it with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. You don't like yeah, most horror movies that like where like 
dogs and cats have have bad things happen to them. You usually don't see it happen. You just either hear it <laughs> right. or, or you just see the aftermath. This is like straight up the main character shoots a, a dog, like a cute dog, in the chest. <laughs> like it's pretty hardcore. <laughs> and it's already howling because the thing has its tentacles wrapped around its neck, and then he shoots it with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, it's not even just like it's it's, it, it's if it was attacking him, that would be one thing. But it's like <laughs> you know, it's like crying and writhing in pain, and he's like, all right, take this thing out. <laughs> Most animal lovers probably don't sympathize with uh, with McCready after this point. I wouldn't. Oh, guess. definitely not. <laughs> so yeah, Clark kind of knocks him out of the way, and and you know, just because he, you know, he's the dog lover at the camp. That's like his only personality trait at this point. <laughs> so yeah, he does that. So it's interesting to note that in the script, that whole like confrontation is is pretty different. And it uh-huh. actually sounds pretty fucking insane, but I guess it's another one of those things that just they, I don't know if maybe they wanted to do it and they couldn't because the effect wasn't ready kind of thing again. But basically when they come up, the the living dogs are like fighting the thing, like they're like attacking it. And before Mac can start uh, can start shooting at him, Clark charges into the kennel and starts like pulling the living dogs off of it, like grabbing them by the scruffs of their neck and throwing them back. <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like huh. this is some kind of like, superhuman giant when he, when it comes to dogs right he's got like adrenaline uh stupid strength or something but yeah so he, he pulls the dogs off and he starts chopping at the thing with an axe before it uh it grabs the axe with a tentacle and like throws him at a wall which sounds <laughs> insane you know it sounds like it might have been kind of interesting but yeah i'm guessing they couldn't do that again just because the effect was not ready right yeah and what they have now like that that in the script sounds like it would have been would have worked but also uh what they have now is fine because it it works for the scene and then it deflects suspicion from him later on when we when they actually get to the uh the blood test yeah that's a good point because yeah he's definitely as soon as you find out kind of what's happening the first person that that they they're really suspicious of is clark because obviously he was with the dog a whole bunch and if he was actually in the pen it would make it even worse (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly. Like that would really kind of push it. So, yeah, I guess the, not having him, you know, directly involved here does kind of even that out a little bit. So you really don't know whether he was or not infected. So, yeah, that's a good point. That does work in that in that favor. There's, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that like they had intended to do or for whatever reason they couldn't um, or they filmed and cut out. And most of that stuff really works in favor of the movie. Like I think John Carpenter made the right call in, on most in most of those cases because it, it either adds to the mystery or just kind of um you know leave leaves some things open to uh which which obviously the way this movie ends is kind of the point i think right yeah I, i've been i've been k- keeping count of uh of all the shots fired in this movie because i can't remember i'd have to look back i can't remember the number now but um on uh on outpost31.com which is like the the ultimate fan site for the thing right they have a count of how many f- shots are fired and it's it's like over 50 which seems like a lot considering like when i think about this movie i don't really think about like gun gunplay or gunfire really you think about <laughs> like the flamethrower but um right. yeah so this scene is the first time we get any gunshots uh since minute nine so it's been a while and I, I think it's kind of hard to count, but I think there are 14 gunshots in this in this scene, which brings us up to a total of 43. So we're, we're pretty close to the max or, or the, the total here. I think we're going to get the last ones uh, pretty soon when uh, when Blair loses his mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see. I need flares, a parka, kerosene, dog food. Wow, who knew moving to an Antarctic base would be so expensive? And I haven't even started looking for roller skates and giant hats yet. 
It's a good thing I'm using Amazon so I can get the best price and get this stuff fast. And since I'm using thethingminute.com slash Amazon, a small portion of my purchase goes to help The Thing Minute to help support the podcast. Now, if I can just get some of the listeners to use thethingminute.com slash Amazon, I might just be able to afford that flamethrower. Yeah, so going back to the the TV version, which, by the way, the TV version is the weirdest shit I've ever seen. Have you ever had a chance <laughs> to see any of it? No, I've I've only ever seen it on on like DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah, on, on the most recent Blu-ray, the uh, Screen Factory one, they include the entire TV version, and I haven't watched. Oh, the, I'll have to watch that. <laughs> it's oh, it's really bizarre. I, I I haven't watched the whole thing through yet, although I'm probably going to sometime soon because I um I was just watching it for like watching this part of the movie. And um, to see what stuff they actually cut out. And it's, first of all, it's insane how much they cut out. Like the movie now, like as it is, is um, is over almost two hours. It's 109 minutes. The TV version is like an hour and 29 minutes. So they cut out like a huge chunk of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, th- you know, and this is one of the places where they do. This whole sequence in the TV version, you see uh, that part when the dog growls at the beginning. You see that for like a split second. And then you don't see it again at all. Like, wow. The, for this whole sequence, when they're shooting at it, when they burn it, you don't see the act. They never go to that cut to that perspective. So you only see their reactions to it and you hear it, which is kind of crazy. That That is crazy. Not only because are you missing the whole effect, but also uh, to kind of transition to this this other part of the scene. When the hand when the big hands reach up from the back of the dog. Mm-hmm. Those hands play into the last act of the movie. <laughs> like it's it's setting up more of the story with these shots. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe that the TV version even makes sense. Um, like I, I want to watch <laughs> it through and try and try and watch it as if I'd never seen it before and see if it makes any kind of sense. Because I can imagine if they don't show this, like they're definitely not going to show most of the other like transformations and stuff. Like this is. You know, this one's pretty crazy, but compared to like the Norris thing and, and that kind right. of stuff, it's pretty tame. <laughs> like that one's like way more gory. So I can't even I'm I'm eager to see what what uh the rest of the movie looks like. <laughs> but yeah, the other reason I really want to watch it through it, I just discovered the craziest fucking thing. In the um in the TV version, at the beginning of the movie, every time you see a character for the first time, they do a freeze frame on that person, and then some guy with like a thick Brooklyn accent, like gives an introduction like bio of each character. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so weird. I need to like I, I need to like rip it for the Blu-ray and 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 post these clips online because it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's just like uh I just happened to like skip ahead and find one of them and I was like my mind was totally blown because it's like the Clark one is like Clark, the dog handler. He he's he had to study the effects of cold on animals. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like stuff that it's like they cut out so much. So maybe they felt like they needed to like add stuff back into to kind of explain it. But like that's part of the movie that nobody has any questions. about. <laughs> right. And and and. It's stuff that the movie itself will tell you if you just watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's just so weird. It's and 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 the fact too that it's not even like a good voiceover. It's like somebody <laughs> somebody was like getting water at the water fountain around the corner, and the guy's like, "Hey, you want to do this like narration real quick?" And he's like, "Sure." <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, I, I, yeah, I definitely need to uh, to cut those out and post them somewhere because it's I, like it boggles my mind that I'm just now seeing this because it's so fucking weird. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I guess the la- last thing that kind of happens in in this minute is we do get the those those claws reaching up, 
which you get the great kind of like rubbery stretching sound yeah. effect because it's you know it, it's not just like these claws were like hidden and it's reaching up it's almost like it's growing these claws as it you know as it as they're reaching up which is pretty creepy yeah and that's uh one of the things that carpenter mentions in the commentary during the sequence is that uh some of the the elements of the thing that you see in the sequence uh are it referencing other aliens that it has assimilated before it even got to earth yeah so th- those arms are probably something uh, you know reminiscent of something else that that it assimilated you know, thousands of years ago and then we're, we're going to see it here in a minute when it starts doing some other stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, that is such a cool concept and um that's one that like you know as much as i love this movie like on its own and and you know it stands as like one of the most perfect horror movies for me I, I do think there's a lot of interesting room for like the universe of this movie, just because there's so much backstory to the thing that you don't see. You just sort of infer from that kind of stuff. Like, uh, you know, like it's interesting to think about the idea of whether, you know, the UFO that crashed, was that the thing that was piloting that UFO or did it assimilate right. something? Or was it like, you know, is it, it, it could even be like a Prometheus kind of thing where the thing is like some kind of weapon that this ship was carrying. Like, you know, there's so many different possibilities, and it's cool that that stuff left up to mystery. And I'm sure if somebody ever made a movie that attempted to go into that, I'd, I'd probably hate it. But oh, totally. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about. It, it they definitely, um, I think it was Rob Bottin that came up with that idea that like instead of it just, you know, reverting back to its alien body every time it assimilates somebody, it uh, you know it turns into this like gross amalgamation of everything it's ever it's ever encountered and its travels in outer space, which is pretty cool. So, uh, oh, the only other thing I, 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 I'm watching the the clip on a loop here and I, we didn't really talk about when the actual dog thing gets shot itself and it's like squirting out that like neon green blood. Right. <laughs> and that, that shot is kind of awesome. I love the way that it, the, the head like is jerking back and forth. It's kind of, um, I don't know what it reminds me of. It, it's kind of hokey, but it works like super well. It's <laughs> it's just kind of a it's a it's a cool effect, and it's it's like it changes its personality a lot right there because up till then, up till now, it's been the, this like slow moving, slimy creature, and now when it's getting shot, it's all like herky jerky and yeah. You know, that's definitely when you can tell that it's just a guy's hand totally. in that head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you could definitely pick out the the hand movements. Like, oh yeah, there's there's the wrist jerking around right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do love that that green ooze that is just firing out of it. That because you know this is a movie that uh, kind of plays with color, may, maybe more so than any of Carpenter's other movies, but only because like you know white landscape with fire and then blood and all this other stuff. But then when you see all these other scenes with the thing itself, they're mostly sort of a flesh tone or there's or it's blood red uh, for parts of it. Hmm. But that that green is very unique. And I I don't think you really ever see that in any of the other. You see it a little bit, but it's shooting across screen is just awesome. Yeah, this and and maybe um, the only other time I can think of off the top of my head is like when Norris's head comes off. Norris's head comes off. Uh, yeah. That that like it is kind of it's almost like that's it's like arteries and and its blood is <laughs> just this like super neon. Which yeah, it just really adds to like the otherworldly element because the rest of this movie is so like you know the stuff without the creatures. You know the whole movie, like you say, is is really kind of monotone. It's very like black and white and and kind of dull and then every time you see the thing you do get these like bright reds and and here you get that kind of neon green and 
um, yeah, it definitely stands out in, in the kind of color palette of the movie for sure. So yeah, so here uh, the thing is trying to escape, and we see its spidery legs uh, oh, yeah. reaching around and making that weird chirping noise. So I guess uh, we'll have to tune in tomorrow to see if it see if it escapes, see what happens here. <laughs> but, uh, so anything else you wanted to mention about this one before we before we go to the uh, next one? Just to point out that we get about uh, probably twelve frames of childs running into into the shot with the flamethrower right before we get to this next scene. Oh yeah, <laughs> we know some shit's about to go down. So. Um, Cool. So I think that will that will wrap up uh, minute thirty two. So listeners, don't forget that you can always check us out on uh, Facebook and Twitter at the Thing Minute. So you can uh, you know join in the conversation there. We'll, we'll post every time there's a new episode, but you know every once in a while I'll post some gifs and some trivia and stuff like that too. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, and then just make sure to come back tomorrow for another episode of the Thing Minute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out. <laughs>